I recently had a friend um, commit suicide. And he was somebody who had been here, who had come here. And um, it, it broke my heart that he came in a captive and he left a captive. And um, it's just been on my heart that, you know, the Lord gave us power. He died to, to you know, to wash away our sins and, and all that is true, but it's more. He came to uh, be able to give us the power to crush the works of the enemy just like he did. And we have that spirit and we have that power. And so it's just my prayer for all of us that we would come into the fullness of what the Lord died to give us. So that when people are getting saved, we have the power and walk in the power to destroy the works of the enemy, the things that are that are tormenting them. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sadra. Thank you. You know, sometimes with a time of worship like that, there's something very near and dear and precious that the Lord does for you personally in that time. So I just want to give one more opportunity. If there's somebody that feels like from this time of worship, the Lord has done something that you want to share as well, please do. Yes, amen. Just a few moments. And an assurance. This is not this is not some game, this is not a drill, this is real. And I praise you, God, and I thank you for the security. Yes, yes Lord. Yes. yes, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to John chapter fifteen. So I'm going to do my best to stick with what I feel like God has given me. Uh, it's a different place to be up here praying overall, kind of what is the focus the Lord has for the body of his people. And I, I cannot get over. Um, it's something that as I continue to pray, it still continues to boil in my spirit. And it's about discipleship. And obviously not the whole of everything about God's kingdom is just about discipleship, but it just feels like that's something God's speaking to us, wanting us to step more into. I know it is for me, and I, I'm more than sure that it is for many, if not all of you, of what is discipleship, what does it mean? We could call it mentoring, we call it discipleship, whatever you want to call it, but basically I want to continue on that focus. And um, I want to talk about maturity. Um, there's numerous things about it, but I want to just talk about that. So in John chapter 15, please. John chapter 15. Thank you, Jesus. I had a great encouragement this week. Um, somebody had told me that what ministered to them the most here was that, um, at least from, from, from me, was that I shared from my heart. You might not find me professional. You might not find me fitting every word. But you'll find me trying to give my heart when I minister. And I will do my very best to do the same thing today. 
Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, that you've given us, all of us, an opportunity to let go of this world, lose every other focus, and make you that single focus of our hearts. We have that opportunity every day. Every minute we can do it. But Lord, right now together, it's like this is what the Holy Spirit is trying to get us to realize. In a very powerful way, Lord, you have ministered through so many here. That Lord, we have been ministered to by you, Lord, through your Spirit, through the hearts and the mouths of each one of your people. And God, I just want to pray that you will continue to lift us up and draw us towards you through the way that you've spoken to us already. And we want to draw near, Lord. We don't want to miss that moment, Lord, where we can be in your presence. We don't want to preoccupied. We don't want anything else, Lord, pulling our time away. We want this time to be your time. Father, with all my heart, I pray that you will find a way into every heart to listen to your word. Lord, to listen to it and to follow the instructions that you've given. Lord, out of obedience to you and love for you, Jesus. And I am so thankful today that we are in the house of God. I am so thankful that we get to worship together, Lord. What is so phenomenal? It feels like we're just, this is the foretaste, as it were, just an appetizer to heaven. And I'm so grateful, Lord, to be with your people. Oh, that more of us, Lord, could be gathered together today. And for those who couldn't, Lord, we lovingly, Lord, embrace them where they're at. And pray, Jesus, that you'll draw them to yourself, Lord. And soon with us as well. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Discipleship. I just feel like the, the focus for it is, for me, why discipleship? Why would I even begin to talk about it? Because over time I have felt like when it comes to church, when it comes to gatherings, we can, we can become so shallow and yet we can look so lively. And so there's this need for depth and growth personal growth in life. It was Leonard Ravenhill who once in one of his sermons had said, and I caught it when I'd heard him say it, and it meant so much to me at the time. He said, today we're talking about church growth. But he said, what about church depth? What about depth? And I can tell you that there's, not, there's a lot of sermons. I don't remember the sermon, but sometimes there's something that stands out so much to me that I can't get over. I can't get over that saying. What about church depth? And I feel like behind discipleship is church death. You think about what Jesus did, and the majority of his life was spent in pouring into 12 men. The crowds that he could have held, the number of people, if he wanted to have church, he would have had the biggest church known. But he didn't. He chose the path of raising up 12 men who would continue that ministry until today. And we are now personal disciples from disciples that were disciples. And hopefully, we're living up to the call of God in our life presently. So discipleship is about maturity. John chapter 15, verse 16. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So Jesus didn't want those that just were able to hear what he said. He wanted those who were able, the, the impact of their life was they heard it and they followed it. I was taking some time this, this week to get some information a little bit more on discipleship. Some 
of what uh, what others do in it. And one of the things that I found is that they actually, in their church services, if they're focused on it, what they do is have a scripture. They have you repeat it, but not by looking at your Bible, but trying to memorize what was said. Then how do we put it in practice? So what we've been hearing is the difference about between uh, obedience-based discipleship compared to information-based discipleship. What I want to try and defer from is not just giving you information that doesn't go anywhere. I'm praying that we will have an obedient heart toward God. And Jesus made some very plain statements about how important that is. He said, if you are just a hearer of the Word, and you do not do what it says... You are likened to the one who built his house on the sand. And when the storms come, and certainly they will, that it will all fall down. It will come crashing because the waves will beat on and destroy. But he said, if you are like to those who hear the word of God and do it, you'll be likened to those who built their house on a rock and it won't fall. So I think... Just from the words of Jesus, it's super important that we don't live our Christian life missing what he's talking about when it comes to doing the word. And Jesus raised up his disciples and he said, go make disciples. That was his word to him. And I think the part in it is, is that the world we're living in right now, we can survive while driving on fumes. And the way that we live is we can live on fumes and we're totally fine with it. But one day... We have to give an account. One day he's going to call us up and deal with our life. And he said there were many who didn't buy oil. And they, it was the last time and, and he, it was the last day. And they didn't deal with the Lord the way they should have. They didn't buy oil. So I want to make a few, few remarks here about discipleship and about maturity. You can't give what you don't have. If you don't have it, you can't give it. I'm very thankful because I think that that's just in unity with what we heard just a few minutes ago. Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans. Um... Uh, I wasn't sure if I got the right one here. Samaritans, enter you not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Listen, he says, freely you have received, freely give. If you haven't got it, you can't give it. It's so important that we learn that Christianity is about the maturity of of living with Christ personally. You have to know the Lord and live close to Him. So my thought in this is that leading someone to the cross, leading them through repentance and helping them grow in the grace of God is more about whether you have been there yourself. It's about whether you're there. The reason why we feel weak in the area of discipleship, how can I help somebody on in the way of the Lord, is because probably for many of us, we've gotten caught up in the shallowness of the of Western culture Christianity. And we haven't got back to biblical Christianity. So we feel this shallowness in our life and we haven't grown with the Lord. He hasn't dealt with the pride of our life. 
we're still living very worldly in a worldliness of spirit in the way that in our humor, the way we think, how we exaggerate our lives, how we boast about our accomplishments. So many parts of our life are more about us than anything else. And it's so shallow when you get down to it that we don't have anything to offer those who are interested in following Jesus. So the focus is, Lord, please help dig at my life and get me deeper with you. I made I put this uh, little mark under the bottom that children don't raise adults. Can you imagine what the world would look like if we just flopped that around? I, I just can't imagine. But sometimes I think that we've got that mentality. We've we got to have a discipleship mentality where i got to grow in the Lord to help somebody else. Children don't raise the adults. Um, you know, I've kind of found almost naturally, if you're good at what you do and you've done it for a long time, you know, the new guy on the job that's never had that occupation, whether it's construction or anything else, they're not going to tell you what to do. It just doesn't happen. They know better than that. Number three, the spiritual discernment comes from spiritual progress. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. I wouldn't mind if you give me a few amens here on some of this. Spiritual discernment comes from spiritual progress. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know him because they are spiritually discerned. You learn them through living close to God. So if we're not making spiritual progress... We're not able to have spiritual discernment. You know, there's times when you meet somebody and when you're listening to them, you give the sense, wow, they sound so on board. They sound like they're making it. But then there's this depth in your spiritual life that you realize, wait a second, there seems like there's something missing. I can't necessarily put my finger on it, but I feel like I'm sensing or discerning there's something not there. So discernment comes. What do I need to do? What is the will of God for my life? We have to walk closer with God before you can answer that question. Nobody's going to stand up here and tell you how to live your life and do it well. Nobody's going to be an instructor to you in your home and your life how to live your life and how best to discern what you're supposed to do and what you're not. But what I find is this. People are stumbling constantly, making wrong decisions for relationships, making wrong decisions for where they're going to live, for the jobs they're going to have, for the interests in their life, and they're stumbling because they're not making progress toward God. They're just making progress in the world. And so maybe they got high-paying jobs. Maybe they're doing well financially, but they're not doing well in their time alone with the Lord. And they're not discerning because they're not making spiritual progress. Number four, humility doesn't come from the truth you know, but the truth you submit to. We have a lot of knowledge about what God has said. I know I've read this and memorized lots of portions of Scripture, and I still feel like in many ways I haven't lived up to the light of what it says in the Bible. And so we can practice so many things in our life in the flesh, but God's real plan for us. And so notice I wrote here, it was humility doesn't come from the truth you know. 
because it's the humility I think that I'm trying to focus on a little bit. Is how do we, in the discipleship, and when we're ministering to others, we need depth of humility with people, a very deep humility, because we're quick to judge, we're quick to find something that we don't like, and we fail in the area of humility. And so it's not that we gain it by what we know, we gain it by the truth we've submitted to. Number five, you can't teach someone the real thing if you only have the fake. Wondering if I could have a volunteer. Is anybody willing to volunteer? This is where we're going to change things up a little bit. We got Mike. Anybody else besides Mike? No, we got Mike. Let's Mike come on up here. We got a brave one. You know, this is funny when I have volunteers. I never get anybody, like hardly anybody from the audience to actually volunteer here. So, Mike, we got two apples here. Wondering, which one would you like to take a bite into today? The one without the sticker. Really? Okay. It's up to you. Do I have to bite it? You don't have to bite it. If oh, Okay, so I want you to, to compare that with this one. <laughs> it's what? fake. Okay. So <laughs> one of them's fake. One of them's real. Right? So would you put your... You wouldn't do that one either, right? No. <laughs> okay. That's... I wanted to take this focus. How many of you say this one looks very real to you? Right? So I, my wife even helped me by putting the sticker on it this morning <laughs> because I realized how important it is to make the fake look real, right? So we want to try and make the fake look real, but at some point you realize it's not worth biting into. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate your time. What a great guy. You know, like... It, I love it when I say, I got any volunteers, and they don't even know what in the world I'm willing to volunteer them for, and they come up anyway. So, And Zach wasn't here. I know he would have raised his hand if he was. But sometimes I think this is where we get, this is where we get sometimes. We've got to be careful that we don't live in this realm. We've got to keep dressing it up to make it look real. We've got to do our very best to try and, and have the appearance of sincerity and honesty and faithfulness. When really down in, in, in the real grain of it, when you bite into the middle of this thing, if you can even get to the middle of it, you know that it's not the real thing. I remember I was trying to learn how to sharpen a chainsaw. This is for the men in this place. Learn how to sharpen a chainsaw. I think I've shared this before, but there's a number of you that aren't familiar with. So anyway, and I remember I'd have a guy sit there right in front of me, and he was showing me the technique and how to do it and how to hold it at the right angles. A little this way, a little that way. And I thought I had it down. I mean, it looked so right. And so I take that file and I'm just... But what was, what was the reality? The reality was when I put that saw in the wood, it looked like it was duller than it was when I had first tried to sharpen it. It just didn't look any better. And I think that that was the reality of I need to know that this is the real thing. Folks, I think that that's just that simple. I mean, when we talk about... Christian, and when we talk about living for the Lord, we're talking about let's just get real. I mean, that's all that there is to it. I, I don't know about the rest of you, but during my time of worship, I'm breaking down in tears. I'm feeling this is a very real moment for me. Amen. And you know, sometimes we don't get there. We just don't get to the place where we can be real with the Lord. And I don't know why. I really don't know why. I don't know why we can't just be exposed before God. I mean, even when we get into the prayer closet, sometimes we just, we got to let go of the facade. And you know what I found out? The Holy Spirit really melts me down with the love of the Lord when I can get real. 
Honesty sometimes, or as it's always been said, honesty is the best policy. Number six, Bible studies don't make disciples. Life application of the Bible does. Obedience-based discipleship. James chapter 1, verse 21. James 1, 21. And uh, I'm going to read this, the second part of verse 21 and read on through verse 24. I'll just read the, first, the full verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Be, not doers, uh, be, be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholds himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he is. So we've got to take this word and we've got to apply it in our life. So when we're talking about discipleship, when we're trying to help others, how do I live the life God wants for me? You have to take them to the point of obedience. They have to live it out. They can't just hear what it says, go on and live life outside of that. So we want to just continue to help people along, help ourselves in the same way. But this isn't just a your thing. This is you raising up others and building them up as well. Because what we're trying to do is reproduce what God has done in our life. So we're reproducers. Um, and so we're not barren womb Christians. We're reproducing Christians. And so we want to continue to find ways to help others. And you'll find this if you get into discipleship and work with people that are trying to grow in the Lord. And you find that, yeah, you hear and you know what the Bible says. But for some reason, you're not willing to follow through you know that that stops right there. Like nothing, there's no progress that's going to be made. And so that's what we're trying to do is just take simple steps of obedience. Just move in the area of obedience and you'll find radical growth behind obedience. I need to say that one more time. You'll find radical growth behind obedience. So the difficulty is, is that our faith and obedience have to work together. You can't have this tremendous amount of faith and little obedience. As a matter of fact, I felt like the Lord this week had put this thought in my heart. Is our faith is only as deep as our submission to God. Can I say that one more time? Your faith is only as deep as your submission to God. You may feel like you have more faith, but the reality is until you've surrendered and yielded to Him, your faith is really just kind of on the surface. So I hear and I have... Uh, the difference, I have a desire for the Lord. And I want to say that's a beautiful thing. It's, I love to see people with the desire for the Lord. Yes. And they're just, they're, you know, we can say it's hungry, but I think I just fit it in the area of uh, category of desire. But we have to melt the discipline with it as well. So, I, you know, somebody desires the Lord, I encourage them, um, if you desire to know the Word of God, then read the Word of God. You know, how are you going to really facilitate this desire 
if you don't go where you feed it. We have to feed the desire. And I love it when I see somebody feeding the desire. And I've seen some guys, and I went to Bible school, and I saw a different crowd of different guys there. But sometimes there's a, one of them, he was a roommate of mine in my third year. His name was Jared Dameron. And this guy was always off seeking the Lord, and he had desire. He had desire, but he went and made sure he fed that desire. And it was so real. And you know what? I loved spending my time with somebody who really fed the desire. So I want to encourage you guys, feed the desire this week. So this is where transformation usually happens for me. I'll get into this feeling of this rut of, you know what? I just don't like where I'm at. I want... I want more of the Lord. I anticipate more of God. So I'm just going to spend more time. I'm just going to take more time. I'm going to come into the church. I'm going to find a quiet place out in the wilderness. I'm going to do whatever it takes, but I'm going to find some time alone with the Lord like I have not been doing yet. And I'm going to feed that desire. And that's where things happen for me. So I want to encourage you guys to do the same thing. Find time alone with the Lord and give Him you know, out of our busy schedules, well, our county is ridiculous right now. We are ridiculous. We are as busy as bees and nobody has time to stop and say hello. Much less, let's have a conversation for two hours. And so that's one of my hang-ups in ministry. I kind of almost laugh about it, but it's my hang-up is like, I go and I'm going to have this 15-minute conversation. We're an hour or two later, maybe three hours, whatever it is. And I'm like, this is Willow County ministry. This is what we do. We connect with people. We have deeper relationships. Why did you come live in a little community like this if you didn't want deeper relationships? I mean, we left the city. I mean, some of us. Or we're not going to the city because we're like, we like to have just, just a plain old simple lifestyle and let's have, you came to my house to give me a part and now we're here for two hours and, and then I'm going back to your house with you to help you fix something that you had going on there. That's how it works here. And if we don't learn to live in those realms, so it's so easy for us. We're busy, busy, busy. we got things to do, job demands and all of that. We just don't feel like we have time. Well, what we do have time is, and I'll say this is dangerous. We have time for everything in this world, but we don't have time for our brothers and we don't have time for our Bibles. Then we need to get serious about what it means to follow Jesus. We just have to. Discipleship is about commitment. I will tell you if you start the ground of I am going to I'm going to be a disciple and I'm going to help somebody else along this path, you are going to find very quickly you are going to have to make a decision to be committed. Because it's not easy. It's not easy. People got things going on, it's hard to make schedules match. Life is difficult. People are going over here when Jesus is saying go over over here, you got it all going on. <clears throat> And I want to throw in there with that that it needs commitment and patience. Patience. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Galatians 6, 9 and 10. Don't be too quiet out there. You're welcome to give those amens anytime. We're good for it. See, that, that way I know it's agreeing. Like, I can keep preaching on this subject if you're like, I like that one, Pastor. 6, 9 through 10. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Don't be 
weary in well-doing. Lord, I don't feel like this discipleship thing is working. Just keep plowing that field. You're doing more work with one person, helping them in the area of obedience to God, than you are if you preach a thousand sermons to people who don't do anything with it. Learn that that's where the real work happens. Jesus wouldn't have done it with 12 men if there wasn't something to it. There was something to this thing. So I just want to say a few things. Take it slow and look for progress. Don't move on if they don't move forward. Like, well, we said, you know, take some time to read your Bible today. They're like, well, I didn't do that. Well, then let's not go anywhere else until we've moved forward. We just want, <laughs> you know, God's got other things in the plan of life, but we've got to get the fundamentals down. We've got to move forward with that. We're like, well, I just want something bigger than that. That is big. That is huge. Because you're taking and you're loving one person as fully as you possibly can and helping them walk with Jesus. That's maturity. That's Christianity. At least it seems to be to me. And Jesus lived that life. Of the 30 years of his life, or the time that Jesus had in ministry, why did he take all of that time to spend in just a few men if it wasn't very, very important? Because those same men would take that same gospel and they would take the same power of God into their world and they had to know Jesus and they had to know how to walk with God and be mature Christians in order to do it. They couldn't be shallow toward God. They couldn't be half-hearted toward Jesus. They had to be faithful and fully committed. That means they were ready to die. They were ready at any risk of their life to carry this gospel wherever they needed to go. So Jesus knew that if this is going to be beyond my physical existence here on earth in flesh, then I'm going to have to have men that know how to carry this. Men of depth. Men of maturity. Men of godliness. I can't have shallow Faithful, shallow disciples. That's not the way Jesus does it. So shallowness is not the Lord's way and ever will be. And so when you put depth in somebody's life, when you help them get deep in God, you are really planting the seeds of the gospel in ways that I don't know if you really realize. Amen. Stick with the basics. I'm getting those amens back there. I love them. Stick with the basics. Bible. Prayer, worship, obedience. Just stick with those. As soon as we get off of that, it doesn't take long before we're out there somewhere in, in the boonies missing it, and God's got to get some, be the good shepherd and get you back on the path again. Don't lose heart if it looks like nothing is happening. You know, what we're doing is we're having support and accountability. Support and accountability. This isn't about numbers. That's what we have to realize. It's not about how many people I've got as a following. How many people can I have over my home? Just one. That's it. Just one at your home. And you're going to do more with that one than you will do with 15, 40, or 50. You'll do more with that one. And the bigger picture is you are walking with them. You know, I heard this concept a while back. It was a number of years when I was still in high school. This guy was giving a message, and he had shared. This was another one of those things for me. And he said that the church, back then, he said it has the love them and leave them mentality. And I got it. I got it. Like, as long as you confess Jesus as your Savior, I, that's good. We loved you into the kingdom, and then we left you. And I really caught that, and I thought, that's not what the Lord wants. Because how many of you came to Jesus? 
<laughs> I was like, you're waiting for the rest of it, weren't you? <laughs> how many of you came to Jesus, and then you came to Jesus, how many of you, it was smooth sailing from there on? Looking for the hands. You know, I saw a few hands out there about I came to Jesus, but I didn't see any hands that said it was smooth sailing from there on. That's what you're there for. That's what Jesus has called you to be there for. So here's, here's my favorite part. What is the vision here? We're going to get into somebody's life and we're going to find one person and we're going to take time with them. And you know, this is, I, would, I would encourage you this week, pray. Ask the Lord, Lord, what's that one person? Just the one person. I don't care if you're young. I'm going to look at the young crowd a little bit back there and I can find a few of them back there. The young, if Sarah does it, I think that she's amazing at it. But she finds just one person and she gives of herself to. I want you to think about one person that needs Jesus. Somebody who needs life. Somebody who needs hope. And, and they're not walking with the Lord at the time. They may be a Christian, but you can tell they're stumbling terribly. And I want you to think of that one person. And I want you to pray about it. I want you to think about what would it look like if you invited them into your home. And you decided, and you asked them, you know what, I'd like for you to come over, and I'd like, for you, and the way we usually do it is we'd like to have you over for dinner. Uh, we, we, we get them in that way, right? You know, like, we're really about discipleship, and we're going to get you in for dinner. But we want you to know is, is that this discipleship is hospitality. It's hospitality. It's not because we're trying to hook you. It's because it's hospitality. It's love. It's care. So we invite them over for dinner, and then I give them, the, I ask them, I would like to take some time. I would like to pray with you. Would you like to have somebody to pray with? And rarely do you find somebody, no, 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 I don't want that. Even Christians today would say, I don't have anybody to pray with. I would love to have somebody to pray with. I'd like to pray with you. Well, what's a good time? Well, that's where the problem starts, right there. What's a good time? We're like, well, this is a good time. And then you both slip in or whatever. And you're like, okay, well, let's see if we can try that again. And establishing a time, establishing something that's normal. And eventually what you do is you just take that time with them and you work slowly and you just build them. Let's start at the basics. Let's start at reading our Bibles. Let's start at just worshiping God. Let's start at what I just said. And you just carry that slowly and carefully. And you see what the Lord does in it. You see what the Lord does in their life through that. And what would it look like if everyone in this congregation says, I'm not just a Christian by profession. I'm a Christian by example. I am going to find one to this week, Lord. Or when you give me that one person. And I'm going to pray about that. What would it look like if every one of us in this place raised up a disciple for Jesus? That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Now there's a scripture that says this. It says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. This is what I'm going to say. is A lot of times Christians get together and they talk about the Bible can I, can I just say this? It's not fellowship. Because unless they're both grounded in the Lord, they're not fellowshipping in the same spirit. We've got to be grounded in the Lord to fellowship. And so sometimes you find that, man, it's surface, it's surface about Jesus, but it's not reality or depth about Jesus. Why is that? It's probably because one or both of you are lacking what God really wants in your life. When Jesus said, if you'll be my disciples, you'll have to forsake all and follow me. There's a lot of people that get lost in that crowd. 
guys. Like, I love Jesus until you get there, right? But what he's saying is that Jesus is our greatest and most prized possession. How can you, how can you compare anything to him? So the vision here in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. So why? I mean, some of us, if we capture what's the vision, what's the why here, it just makes it like, man, because I know why I'm doing this. I know what's so important. I'm all about it. Second Peter chapter 3, I'll get there, and verse 9. You think I'm repeating it so that you'll know where it's at. I'm just repeating it to make sure I get there. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing. Can I help you think about that one right there? The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the vision. There's a lot of things the Lord is willing to do. But he's not willing to let people slide on into darkness, slide on into eternity without repentance. So part of that vision for me is I think about what's the, the outbreak of that, what's the limbs on that tree, is building a healthy church. I mean, we want a healthy, we talk about healthy church. Healthy church is based on some discipleship, based on living and, um, and following what Jesus called us to do, living for him in our world today. You know, I don't give a care if you have COVID going on or you don't. You're either living for Jesus or you're not. Like, it's either it's all in or I'm all out. Like, there's no other way. There's people right now, they're not baptizing them unless they're willing. Because they say, look, in our culture, in our Afghanistan area, you're going to possibly be given your life for this Jesus. You sure you're willing to be baptized into his death and raised up in his resurrection? Because you're going to give something for it. You're possibly going to. Have you given your life to Jesus? We say give our life, and what we're really saying is I'm giving him all the bad things that I don't like in my life. I'm giving him my divorce. I'm giving him my bad relationship. I'm giving No, give him your life. Your life. You sign it over to him. So we're building a healthy church, raising a generation of mature Christians, not babes in Christ that are still just on the milk of the word, multiplying not adding. Multiplication is this. I went and I raised you up to, to be a disciple. I helped in that. Obviously, the Lord's doing the work but by His Spirit, but we're just a part of the handiwork that He uses. And then you become a disciple and you raise a disciple. That's multiplication. Addition is, we got you to confess Jesus and that's it. It stops there. Nobody made a disciple. Nobody went out and reproduced. They just stayed where they were. That's powerful to me. I mean, that knocks my socks off because I'm like, that's amazing to think about reproducing another Christian, another faithful follower of Jesus. So we're multiplying, not adding. That's what makes discipleship so amazing. Overcoming the corporate church pastoral ministry mentality. That's part of the vision. It's not just pastor does this. You know what? I'm not, a, I'm not great at it. You know, the reality is, is I'm still working and learning how to do it good. There's a lot of people that you can learn better about discipleship than from me. But I'm just realizing that we take the little we have and we give it to God and let Him reproduce through that. 
Biblical reproduction of disciples, making disciples. So I thought it was strange. I still do. I'm like, okay, so I went from the business world, and I haven't been out of it for very long, and I still do it a little bit. And uh, when I was on the job site, I was training guys. So here's somebody brand new to a job, and I'm training him for the job. How to do the job. So this is how you glue pipe together. This is how you don't glue pipe together. You know, those kinds of things. Make sure you put the glue on both the fitting and inside the pipe. You're like, that's boring. But anyway, so we do that, and we take the time to show them how to do it, and it's very, very slow and meticulous because they don't know. Then, before the season's over, you've got yourself a plumber, somebody who can dig trenches and somebody who can plumb pipe. And I was like, that's, that's pretty good. You know, now next year, if they show up again, it'll be phenomenal. Because now I won't have to do that. So you're raising up somebody because you want to take the load off your own shoulders. But what about if we take training to a whole new level? I'm training you to do the job, and then I'm going to train you how to train somebody else how to do the job. But it doesn't stop there, does it? I'm going to train you to train others to train. I'm going to train you to be a disciple on the workplace. Now, we do it on our jobs. That's the part that kind of gets me thinking. We're doing it on our jobs. We're training others on the job site. But are we doing it in the church? Are we doing it for Jesus? So I like that kind of takes me back because I'm like, Lord, I never really did get on the job and really train a trainer. Wait a second, I did. His name was Cody. I trained a guy that could train others and how to lead them. And I was so thankful. And it changes the whole perspective of the job. Because we bear one another's burdens. I'm not just letting you be the head guy. I'm part of that headship. Now, the pastoral ministry is its own ministry. But I'm going to say something. The body of Christ is under Jesus Christ. That's the focus. That's the thing that I'm trying to focus is that we'll be under Christ. And so here, I just want to say this, just for those of you who are interested in discipleship, don't stop because of turnover. <laughs> you know, oops, I lost that one. That one didn't work out. Just keep on going because you'll find the one who's going to stick it out. We do it for our jobs. Why not for our church? Actually, I didn't realize I put that down there. I put two stars. I did. I said it before I even realized it. I'm encouraged about the idea of discipleship. I hope you guys are. I hope you're thinking about it. And some of us may be in a place where, can you disciple me? And certainly, we will do what we can to help everybody walk with the Lord. And so if you're in that area, I want either way. You're like, I need help. I need discipleship. Let's talk. Um, If you're a lady, you're going to be with a lady. If you're a guy, you're going to be with a guy. That's how it works. And um, we also want, if you're like, I want to do this, but I haven't done it. Let's talk a little bit more about what are some practicals and help you step into the way of being able to do it. Some of us are just ridiculous busy and we're like, I love that, but I'm really busy. Let's talk about it. Honestly, let's figure out a way to be doers, not just let's just stop here. Let's not let it end here, okay? So, Father, we want to thank you, Lord, that you have given us life. You've given us hope, Lord. You've given us momentum. You've given us strength to be able to go forward with. And Lord, I am looking forward to seeing the growth 
in all of our individual life for reproducing in others what you have put in us. Lord, if there's a deep love, and I already see it in this place, a deep love for um, worship, then you're going to use them to put in somebody else's heart a deep love for worship. Now, we may feel like, I can't do that. But Lord, you told Moses, when Moses said, I am a man of slow speech, I stutter, I can't speak. Lord, that was none of your business as far as you were concerned. You said, I have made man's mouth. And I don't know what the excuses. I don't know what the reasons for. What are the hindrances in our life? But I do know this, that when we talk about the grace of God, we have to meet you in the middle. We have to surrender in order for to receive that grace. We have to let you in in the uncomfortable areas of our life to let the grace of God work through us. Lord, none of us are good at living for Jesus without the grace of God in our life. But somewhere along the road, we learned to surrender and give you the room to work in our hearts. And so, Lord, I'm only going to ask this morning that those who are listening today would just be so simple in their approach to you and say, today, Lord, if I'm, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think I know enough. I don't know what their reasons. And they're going to say, Lord, I just want to surrender to you. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Help me find a way to do this for Christ. And Lord, I am so thankful for the dynamic and powerful changes that are going to happen in this church with your people today because we have volunteered ourselves to your service. We gave our life to Jesus. And that, Lord, is so awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to call for the uh, worship team to come up right now. And uh, we're just going to worship the Lord a little bit more. You are free to worship as long as you want. Lord, as you are stirring this morning, in my heart, that this is a day for you commission. Yes. And so, Lord, we just speak over Isaac and Caleb and Sarah. Your call on their lives. Yes. Jesus. That it is unique and beautiful, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes. And we pray that in this coming year and the years that follow, they will yes. have a clear sense of their unique, beautiful calling. Mm. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be someone else. They don't have to live up to someone else's expectation that they have been called uniquely mm. 